Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have the creators and producers of the new Netflix show, Historical Roasts, Eddie Firth and Ryan Pig. I first kind of met Eddie and Ryan during my time at Nerd Melt uh, when they had the show Historical Roast as well as Fictional Roast uh, being performed live at, at Nerd Melt. Uh, they also run the show over at the Comedy Store, uh, but I first encountered it, like I said, at Meltdown, and that's where the show was created. Eddie and Ryan were also interns at, at one point over at Nerd Melt. Um, they created the show during, during one of their shifts. Uh, they talked a lot about that, and uh, they both had different stories of how that interaction went when they came up with the show. Uh, but, but it was a lot of fun being able to chat with them and hear how that came about. Uh, Ryan and I just barely missed you know, being able to intern together. Uh, I came in just shortly after he quit interning, um, and then you know, I would see them you know, through the end of Meltdown. Uh, yeah, it was really exciting to be able to sit down and chat with them. Uh, Sammy Junio, who you've also heard, uh, she was kind of on the uh, Nerd Melt Forever episode. Hopefully she'll be doing her own episode here uh, as well. Uh, Sammy was the first one that actually kind of introduced the show to me. I, I would see it pop up on things. And then when I met Sammy, she told me she was one of the producers of the show. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's been a, one of my favorite shows that I would go and see live. I haven't seen it live uh, basically since Meltdown closed. Uh, they've got you know a lot of shows coming up here this week. They actually have, uh, aside from the uh, from the premiere on Netflix tonight, they have two shows uh, here in Los Angeles this week um, on Wednesday, May 29th at the Comedy Store. It's the historical roast of Mother Teresa, uh, and, that, and that's kind of the celebration of this you know all taking off of the premiering on Netflix. So get out to that if you're here in Los Angeles over at the Comedy Store. Um, you won't want to miss that. Uh, doors are at 10 p.m. Show starts at 10.30. Tickets are just 5 bucks online and at the door. Um, and, of course, it is 21 and older, two-drink minimum. Uh, but you do want to get out to see that. Again, it's the historical roast of Mother Teresa. Uh, you've got Gandhi, Princess Diana, Pope John Paul II, Mr. Rogers, Martin Luther King Jr., Jesus, Oprah, and more. So you're not going to want to miss that. And then also... On uh, Sunday, June 2nd, over at the Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles, it's fictional roast of Pixar. Uh, you're going to have Woody, Mike and Scully, Buzz, uh, Russell, Dory, Mr. Incredible, Miguel, you, you know, all, all of your favorite Pixar characters uh, for a roast over there at Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, again, that's Sunday, June 2nd at 7 p.m. Um, and you can get all the details uh, over at Dynasty Typewriter's website um, and, and get your tickets there. Uh, it, was, it was, again, so much fun to be able to sit down and talk with Eddie and Ryan. This is the first time I've really had a chance to sit and talk with them. It was usually passing through in the green room or in the tech booth at, at Nerd Melt. And, you know, I knew who they were. We would say hi. And that was about all of our interaction. Uh, but their shows have always been a lot of fun. And I'm just so incredibly thrilled for them uh, to have this deal with Netflix. Of course, you know, they teamed up with Jeff Ross. I mean, if you're going to do a roast show, how do you not have the Roast Master General, Jeff Ross, on board? You know, and he, Jeff Ross was on The Tonight Show earlier this week. They showed a clip of one of the episodes, uh, the, the Roast of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it's absolutely hilarious. Make sure, you, you know, if you, if you watch The Tonight Show, you saw that. Uh, and so you can check out that small clip. But what are you waiting for? I mean, it's going to be on Netflix tonight. So you guys can start watching it. Binge your way through it starting at midnight. Or, you know, if you're sitting around tomorrow, Memorial Day. What, a, what better thing to do than get the family together and watch these guys all roast a bunch of historical figures. It, it's a lot of fun, and you, you're going to absolutely love it. Some of the secrets they told us, um, some of the things that their costume designers did, you know, it, it's a really, really fun experience, and I know you guys are going to love this show. So check out Historical Roast, starting tonight at midnight on Netflix, hosted by Jeff Ross, 
and the the cast of people they have playing these characters is absolutely incredible so do not miss it uh, one other thing i want to plug of course this time of year is when a lot of the cancellations and renewals come for a lot of tv shows so once you've binged your way through watching historical roast i want to encourage you guys to go back on hulu and watch ap bio uh, as many of you have heard, over the weekend, AP Bio, one of the funniest shows on NBC starring Glenn Howerton uh, that you probably know from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Patton Oswalt, Paula Pell. You know, it's such an incredible cast uh, made by Mike uh, Michael Bryan, uh, who you may remember from Saturday Night Live. It's, of course, executive produced by Seth Meyers and Mike Shoemaker. You know, it's just an all-star cast here. And, you know, just an incredible crew. The, the show should not be canceled. It's really hit its stride. And it's just a bummer to see that, you know, that they're, they're looking at, you know, the night of on-air numbers instead of realizing that this show is the number three streaming show on Hulu. Think about all those shows on Hulu, and this show is number three uh, when it comes to most streams. So th there's kind of been a petition going on online. Uh, if you follow the hashtag SaveAPBio, uh, you know, Patton Oswalt kind of <laughs> kind of started pushing this uh, to get everybody to even go on this Memorial Day weekend, re-watch the show, help spike that, see if we can get that to number one. Show Hulu that the fandom is demanding that this show continues on. You know, maybe Hulu will be able to pick it up and save a really, really great comedy. It, it's been done before. We've seen plenty of, of shows get canceled and then scooped up. I mean, look at last year with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, Fox canceled it, and within 24 hours, NBC had picked it up. And, you know, it's just as great as ever. Let's hope the same can happen to AP Bio. You know, th this show deserves more. It is one of the funniest, smartest comedies on television right now. And, and you know, it, it makes me sad to see a, a great comedy not get its due. So if you've got Hulu, you haven't, even if you have not watched AP Bio, I mean, the first season's 13 episodes. They've got nine episodes right now into the second season with four episodes still to air. You know, you've got plenty of time, you know, to, to, you know, just go through, binge through that. There's, you know, 20 minute episodes. So get on there. You can go through all 22 of those episodes, you know, pretty quick. So, you know, you, you know, you've done it before. We all know you've sat around the house eating ice cream in your underwear and watched an entire season of The Office in a day. So do that for AP Bio. Help a great comedy that deserves more episodes and more seasons, you know, be able to get that. Uh, so again, save AP Bio, tweet about it, use the hashtag save AP Bio, tell your friends about it, discover a new show, rewatch it again, help save AP Bio. Again, thank you to Eddie and Ryan for taking the time to come over. They've just had a whirlwind of a week. They've been doing press like crazy. They had the premiere Monday night uh, over at the Landmark here in Los Angeles uh, for, uh, for historical roasts. Again, Jeff Ross was over in New York promoting it on The Tonight Show. So their schedule has been just absolutely crazy, and they still took the time to come and sit down with me. Uh, just last night, uh, we, we got this in just under the wire uh, to be able to release this in time for the release of the show. Again, tonight at midnight on Netflix. You have no excuse. It's already in your home. You know, it's, it's not as invasive as YouTube, you know, just putting it on your phone. But it's waiting for you in your Netflix, so just log on. Do your thing. You know you're sitting in front of Netflix right now anyway, so just do it. Watch Historical Roasts. Uh, with Jeff Ross. You're absolutely going to love this show. Thank you, Eddie and Ryan. Share it with your friends. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. I still perform at the Ruby, so I go there at least once yeah. a month, sometimes a couple. It's a weird. It's weird now. It's 
well, it feels like it was taken over by robots because it's yeah. all that uh, online shopping network stuff. Oh, yeah. The they got weird symbols. Network, it looks uh, like a hacker organization. Yeah. yeah, like some Illuminati thing even, just like yeah. with that like, I or O or whatever. Yeah. That is up where the old little alien would. It's Jimmy yeah. Iovine's son, so we're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked the truth for me was always that once it closed, I had this very real sense of understanding that it was going to force all of us in, as individuals, but as a community to grow. Mm-hmm. Like the minute that place closed, something else would have to pop up. We would have to find some place to go. We'd have to find new. And like, feels like we were those, kicked out of the house. In those moments, it is. It's this moment of growth yeah. showing you that, okay, it's comfortable here, but now, now you have to go outside. Yeah. Now go find something new. Like I spend way more time at the comedy store now. And that's for better or for worse, but like that's the new home for now. You know, that's the new place. Yeah, luck- yeah. luckily the the established shows did all kind of land on their feet. Like you guys ended up over at the comedy store. And I know mm-hmm. Marcella's kind of been mm-hmm. uh, over at the improv with Women Crush Wednesdays. Best um, friend show. Yeah, where did that one end up? Uh, the Virgil? Virgil, yeah. Virgil. We were lucky. We'd been at the comedy store for about two years mm-hmm. when, when Meltdown closed. We actually were running at both Meltdown and comedy store at the same time. Yeah. We had gotten in there about a year and a half after we started the show because we just we had friends and we yeah. so we kind of were running both places at once. Mm-hmm. And now you now you guys still do some over at Dynasty as well. Yep. We got two shows coming up for Dynasty. Yeah, uh, fictional roasts, both of them. We have three dates this summer. Oh, we have three. We have Dynasty. three. We have three: June, July, and August. All at Dynasty. That's as right. Well. August. So we're gonna I have two August. shows every month this. Uh, <laughs> it's too far away to think about for now. <laughs> every every month this summer, we we have two shows booked. The Comedy Store is basically our regular spot. We do yeah. monthly there, and then Dynasty every once in a while. And if anybody else is ever interested, we'd go. Yeah. Like we, I'd love to play the Improv. I'd love to play UCB. We're looking at trying to. This is a crazy one, but we're looking at trying to play the Magic Castle. Oh, that would be amazing! And do Houdini and Harry Potter at the Magic Castle. Yeah, I, I want to know how strict they are on some of that at the Magic Castle. There's there's a show that I'm kind of in like the pre-production stages of doing a pilot for, mm-hmm. and my producing partner and I. That was one of our spots, and we were like, "Are they going to be real sticklers about this or not?" Yeah. it's so i can say first off ryan and i are very lucky like we're, we're friends with justin wilman he did our show a bunch because he started oh, meltdown at will uh, yeah. as well uh i know i know at least 10 more com- uh, magicians like i'm on a magician's show the show i'm doing tomorrow night is the, the, the new bad boys of magic like i know oh, awesome. so many magicians getting in there conceptually is easy but actually is very very tough like they're very receptive to talking to me Mm -hmm. but at every turn it like even a one hour show doesn't fit the format of what they do and so how to get it on the schedule market it to either members or non-members people who are there that night or not to take a theater space away like all of these questions come into play where they have this they have this structure they have this model they have this business and they love it we would love to do it but how on earth we're going to make it happen is it's going to take that's going to be something that may actually take until 2020, even <laughs> though we've started the conversation and everyone likes the idea. Yeah, the first I ever got to know of the Magic Castle was when I first started coming back and forth between Utah and, and L.A. Mm-hmm. I would stay at the Highland Gardens next door mm-hmm. oh, and nice. somehow I would always end up in the corner room there and I could mooch off of the Magic Castle's Wi-Fi. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that was how I first ever knew the magic castle was i was always 
stealing their free guest Wi-Fi. It's a password <laughs> abracadabra or something. No, it was it was just like, like it was free. an unprotected network. Oh, it's free. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe they should get on that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was an unprotected network, and if I was in that corner room, that I could I could always have you get been? Their Wi-Fi. Have you gotten to go? No, I've never. Oh, it's really cool. We're we're super lucky. Uh, the first time Ryan and I went, we were invited guests to go see Justin because Justin had done our show twice and was like, "You guys definitely got to come see me when I'm there." So like, we're invited by Justin and we get to go see him and we saw a bunch of other stuff and like a lot of other comedians or a lot of other magicians. Yeah, yeah. And then I, uh, I you got on stage. So so when Did we I? went, you went on stage the first time we went and saw oh, him. God, that's not right. his show, but there was another show that was happening in, in another room. Oh yeah. And. Uh, so I there's a bartender there that looks like J.K. Simmons. And I was like, dude, it's the guy from Whiplash. And he's like, I've never seen Whiplash. I'm like, oh, I was like making a joke. Like, oh, it looks like the guy from Whiplash. Miles Teller was there. The, oh, reals, really? the real one. And I go, Eddie, it's Miles Teller. He's like, what's he from? He's from Whiplash. Oh, shit. You <laughs> so so, yeah. so so we went to the show and Miles Teller was there. And they said, we need a volunteer. And Eddie, of course, you know, got up. <laughs> They're like, that guy needs to be up here. And he wears, like, they put him like a lab coat and whatever. And you like ad-libbed a little something and, and Miles laughed at it. I was like, dude, Miles Teller, Miles Teller laughed at you. He's like, who? This lets you know how much Jameson I had that night because I only mildly remember some of that. Like I don't remember a lab. Oh my god! Coat. I bought I bought shots for you, uh, Justin's wife, and her friend. I think. Oh my me. god! That's and the right. Shots were <laughs> together. They were a hundred and twenty dollars. No oh my way! God. I paid a hundred and twenty dollars for four shots. Did you then know you the got price the wrong up bill. front? You got the wrong bill. No, I looked at the bill. I've been back and I've ordered drinks and they're not. Twenty dollars a shot. I mean, I guess the ones I got were made of gold. It was crazy. <laughs> I, was I like, think you why? got the rest of their bill. Either that or that was the best trick of what? the night. Yeah, yeah. maybe. They, <laughs> yeah, they tricked me into paying for them. It shows you plenty about our relationship. <laughs> that in retrospect, I'm mad at him for getting duped out of it. I'm like, I'm that's what sure. it was. You should. No, I'm like- pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was the four drinks. And I, I remember. Crazy. Remember, his wife was like, "Are you sure <laughs> you want to pay for this?" And I was like, yeah, I got, oh, no shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I use a credit <laughs> card. I'm in debt now. <laughs> Justin was one person. I, I think I think Eddie had seen the, uh, the little documentary thing I'd made when Meltdown closed. Mm-hmm. And Justin was one person I was trying to get on it, and I couldn't contact him. And then, like, one of the last days I was filming, he was actually in Meltdown yeah. oh. shooting his show. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to do was go over and be like, hey, man. Uh, that, that's actually why they were doing a bunch of pickups that yeah. those whole, like, leading up. <laughs> Because he was, I remember it was a Women Crush Wednesday. I was there, and he was he was filming. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, good to see you!" Like you're getting in before they close. Yeah, like, yeah man, yeah. that's where it started. Yeah, he Lion wa- Cub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shooting a bunch of B-roll, and he's just walking around. I'm like, I really wanted him in this because he was one of the first people I ever saw here. And yeah, yeah, really, me too. To his credit, he is such a phenomenal human being. He would have done it whether he felt like he could or not. Yeah, yeah, he would have like. He would have done it. He would have done it happily, even if it was in the way of what he was doing. He would not have missed that opportunity. And he's 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 an incredible human being. He did Houdini for us and then Harry Potter for us. And each time it was like, I can't let anyone else do this. I need to be the first. <laughs> yeah. I need to help you. I need to make this happen. Like, whatever you need. We were at Meltdown. And so I have a, a sketch uh, show next door. And we have a whole, whole prop box. And uh, he comes in for Harry Potter. He's like, hey, Eddie, do you have a dildo for the one bit? And Eddie shows him the dildo. He's like, ah, I feel like I need a, one that looks more realistic. And I'll be like, I was like, I'll be right back. I leave for maybe 10 seconds and come back with a realistic looking dildo. And he's like, this is perfect. And he like in his head is like, how did 
do you have them hidden around Meltdown Comics? <laughs> was it the pink limpy we got from Fleshlight? No, it was. Uh, there was another sketch team that was throwing out dildos in one of their shows, so we kept multiple a dildos. Mul- I don't know how much that <laughs> must have cost, cost or they had used ones but yeah that was uh i was like oh perfect we got a whole bucket full <laughs> and if you didn't i mean it was on sunset i mean you could have found you could have found alleyway. one in a matter of minutes in the alleyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> sadly could have found multiple in the alleyway yeah. i'm sure yeah <laughs> now before i started we started recording uh you, you were mentioning that both of you guys uh were interns at meltdown i did not know that i knew that eddie was but i did not know I left right well. before you started i think okay uh but eddie may have been there a little bit while you were there I yeah I was there for about a year and a half. I actually we started at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember that because we had like this meet this kind of hangout of all the interns, and Christian Spicer was there. He's like, hey, I'm Christian. I'm like, I am Ryan. I'm the new intern. And he's like, oh, you're the new intern. I thought Eddie was the new intern. I'm on Team Ryan. I don't know about you guys. And then we all started, everyone was like, yeah, I'm Team Eddie. I'm Team Ryan. And, like, and this was before we even really knew each other. So the first. The first team meeting we have, the two of us are like, well, I guess everyone's either Team Eddie or Team Ryan. Yeah, so we fought to the, yeah. the death. So there were never team meetings or anything when when I was there. So this that, was that, that, that must have died off. It uh, wasn't a regular occurrence. This was a – it was right before the summer started. I think it was a farewell. They were, they were saying so goodbye to Christian, to Christian Spicer, who was moving on, and welcoming a whole wave of new interns, including the two of us. So it was this, like, transition of let's just – celebrate one or two people who are leaving Mm -hmm. welcome three or four people who are coming in reset right before the summer and Um, it's crazy thinking about who was there when we were interning mm -hmm. and then who and what interns ended the the existence of nerd basically yeah the the final interns i'll call them i i was the final intern you were literally i was literally the the final yes (laughs) because they they did the final show. I mean, we still deem it the final show was the intern show. Mm-hmm. I saw, yeah, I was and there. then we there, there was still Comedian Cinema Club that was afterwards, but we take hold that we were the final show. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. But everybody decided, hey, let's go and like celebrate our show, forgetting that there were still people scheduled to work <laughs> the uh, other show. Yeah. Uh, and I was the only one who stuck around, and Jenny and Caitlin both left because I was also the final... Uh, open mic comic mm-hmm. because i insisted oh, on nice. it so <laughs> i was i was like yeah i'm just checking off my my little nerd melt bucket list here if i'm going to be the final this and yes. the final <laughs> yeah, i did not did. get pulled for that final open mic and regardless of having had a show there i was not allowed to just get a spot at that final open mic uh, really yeah that is crazy it's i mean look i will say this for as long as I've been in L.A. and as long as we've been doing this stuff and in, involved in the communities, I never once take it personally that there is a system in place. And sometimes you get a chance to break the system and sometimes you don't. Yeah, It's literally like, you know, I would always describe it like at the comedy store. I can walk in there and I can go in any room I want, depending on the night and who's at the door. Like, you know what I mean? If people know you, they're going to be there for you in those ways when they can. There's a lot of camaraderie and friendship. And then on the other side, there are sometimes just ways that, you know, propriety's sake, which is it's the last open mic. We're not giving away spots. We're going to be pulling names. Or I've been to plenty of shows or things like that where it's just like we're not going to have drop-ins today or we're Mm -hmm. not, you know, at open mics. I've seen people that I know have even better TV credits than we have have to sign up the same way as we did. Like, it's how it works and sometimes it's a perfect system and sometimes it's imperfect and if any one single mic or one single day was going to make it or break it we we wouldn't 
we wouldn't last very long. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I didn't get on the last one. It doesn't matter. Like we. Yeah. You see, I just. I just, karmically we made out all right yeah <laughs> I, w- I would say so <laughs> i think we maximized our time at meltdown to the fullest yeah we got as much out of out of that as we could i actually started and hope i hope we gave back a lot i i i had always this is something this is something i will always regret even though it's nothing we had direct influence over i will always regret that our show did not get picked up and come out on Netflix while it was still open because I had always hoped we could sort of reinvigorate and be the show like Meltdown and mm-hmm. like Harmontown, which were these staples that were high drawing and, and major things. And I was always like, if we could just if we can just get this show to television, I would love to be able to be the thing that anchors it again and reinvigorates because that that extra traffic helps all shows. Right, right. We saw a huge help because Harmontown and Meltdown were selling out once every single week two nights that are packed you put flyers out on the chair those nights you're going to get 10 extra people you yeah. know and yeah. it was just six months later pretty much too. it was so yeah. close like six months after Nirvana i mean my god day. like a hundred percent tomorrow or, or monday in the perfect world in a perfect world meltdown is still open and on memorial day we go in and starting at two o'clock we stream the entire thing on Netflix uh, yeah, in Meltdown for people to just come and watch right before the open mic on Monday night. Like that would that was my dream scenario. And I definitely would have been working it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully because you wanted to. There yeah. would have been a lot of trash in those trash bags. Yeah. I apologize. A <laughs> lot of Jameson. <laughs> I remember those days. Like I would have brought bags. massive amounts of Jameson to that kind of a party. Yeah. Yeah. I, and drunks. see, I... Everybody always thought, oh, like you have to work some of these shows. And I was like, no, like I, I was the weird intern that people would be like, hey, I can't work. And I'll be like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just wanted to be at any and every show just to, it was like I wanted to be at Meltdown for so long. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when uh, when I heard on, on Nerdist that they were opening and that, like Matt Meyer was starting the, the open mic. Yeah. And I was like, I have to be a part of this. And it was 2014. When I came down with my producing partner, we literally drove down to do uh, classic Groundlings. Oh, cool! And this from was, Salt Lake. Yeah, from Salt Lake. Okay. A how long is the, dri- class at, at how long's the drive? It's about an eight and a half, nine hour drive. Sure. So we drove down, got into town at four in the afternoon. Uh, actually, had our hotel not too far from here, like right next to UCB. Didn't realize how far the walk to Meltdown was. Oh yeah. Which, granted, once I moved here, I walked every single day yeah. there. Like, wow. I was like, it's exercise, and this is now the result of not having that exercise. <laughs> but we walked all the way all the way there. I kind of knew Kyle Clark a little from talking to him online. And I was like, hey, is there any way, like, I'm, I just got here from Utah. Is there any way I can get up? And he's like, yeah, like, put me on. And so, like, I did open mic that night, and then we had to walk all the way back. But I was like... I did it. I did the nerd melt open mic. And it was just like from there on, like we were out here every few months just trying to either record a podcast or be part of Meltdown in some way, going to yeah. shows. And yeah. so it was like, yeah, when it finally got here, I was like, yeah, I will do anything to be working a show or doing something to be a part of. It. And so I didn't even care. I was like, yeah, if I'm there five nights a week. Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. I wanted to work as much as I could. I would, call out sick to a day job if i was scheduled that night and couldn't get back in time like i would just uh, in the funny kyle clark was the one who helped hook me up with my original internship at meltdown oh nice he was the one who put me in touch with uh at that time it was danielle and aaron and uh on the, the the open mic was also 
one of the first open mics I went to in L.A. when I first moved here. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is it was 75 comedians packed high energy for the 25 spots. Everyone got cheered as they got pulled. Like it felt like a prize fight but yeah. in the wow. best way. And I was like, oh, this is why I moved to L.A. And I was sold that instance. And in like it must have been two months later, I was just like, hey, Kyle, like, do they have interns here or anything like that? I'd love to tear tickets. And he was and he put me in touch with them. Yeah. Dan Levy had given me the advice when I moved out here because Dan Levy and, and I grew up in the same hometown. We didn't know know each other, but we knew of each other. So when I came out, I was like, any advice you have? And he goes, his first thing was like, get a job at the front door at a comedy club or something because if somebody can't go on, they can pull you and you would go mm-hmm. up. It was the idea. The basic advice was like, be around comedy. If that's what you're, if you're trying to do comedy, be around comedy. Right. Like, yeah. That's what was great about Meltdown. It was a scene. You could always be a part of something regardless of the show like my favorite night there was i was interning and johnny brillantes was doing a table read oh the yeah School oh, next wow. door yeah. jeff may ate a hot dog from 7-eleven and got food poisoning and does he know you're <laughs> telling this to everyone as if <laughs> as if it wasn't an obvious thing like don't eat hot do- jeff may don't eat hot dogs from this, 7-eleven can i say how this looked in my perspective so me so i helped johnny wait can this. i finish the story and then you can interject <laughs> okay yeah yeah go ahead, go ahead, can go i go give ahead. them the setup so when you tell them your version there's actually context? i mean it's funnier from my perspective first but go ahead I wanna... but, but you need to give them context go, go, go of what on, actually happened so you're fr- go ahead <laughs> Four and a half years later, I'm still. F- Never mind. Uh, so, ahead. I'm interning, and in the middle, Jeff gets sick. So they're doing a table read of Back to the Future Two. Awesome. Jeff May is playing Biff in that in that show. He gets sick at their intermission. They they uh, Johnny runs over and he's like, Eddie, can you do Biff? I asked Caitlin if I can go. She's like, Yeah, fine, go ahead, go to do it. And I get it was one of my favorite performance moments. I got to read the the old Biff and young Biff scene against myself ryan was in the show and he was going to read young biff and i kind of lean over i was like i have an idea for this scene i think i can do it can i give it a shot and he was just like i was going to do it anyway but he's like yeah yeah no problem and so i just read it back and forth as as old biff hey and young biff and i just do the whole (laughs) it was my favorite but it's because i was around i he couldn't have asked me to fill in had i not been at meltdown that Mm, night right so what's your vert how did it look to you so First, first of all, uh, yes, it was Back to the Future 2 on the day in Back to the Future 2, like 2015. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. 14? October 21st? Isn't it November 5th? October 22nd, I thought? I thought it was November 15th. Am I wrong? One of us is right, and we I'm all sure... I have the USA Today somewhere in here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I they, they put out like the fake front page yeah. on the USA Today yeah. that day. Oh, And cool. I searched half of Salt Lake before I found like three copies of it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So uh, from my perspective, everyone was, yeah, it was, I was playing various characters. We were all there and Jeff leaves and almost, and then like a a few seconds later, Johnny leaves and then Johnny comes back and then Eddie comes in with, I like, I feel like you had a skateboard for some reason. I don't know why. It it wasn't the skateboard. It was the hoverboard. The hoverboard. You were holding the hoverboard? hoverboard. Yeah. Johnny gave me the hoverboard to hold. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was one weird thing. He comes in and also he's holding a hoverboard and also he sits in Jeff's spot. So I assume at this point, like he murdered Jeff and now he's taken his role. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, yeah, it was like oh, did he just like morph yeah. into Eddie? Yeah, I would have killed somebody for that role. <laughs> in to to follow up on that, I got a chance to meet Tom Wilson at a meltdown show while I was working one night and. Uh, oh, yeah. 
I flirted with him a bunch because he had to park his car somewhere, and we just like all night there was this running joke. I would just come into the dra- the green room and be like, "All right, who's the jerk with the mint green car? Can you please move it?" And he would, like we just go back and forth. <laughs> like I got to meet, I got to meet Biff, one of I, the, Back to Future is my favorite movie of all time. So meeting Tom Wilson was that the most incredible. But it was sort of topped in a weird way when we roasted Back to the Future because we do yeah. fictional roast as well. And thanks to Ryan's amazing girlfriend, Marissa, Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer in the first movie, showed up to our show as a surprise (laughs) in a DeLorean in the outfit she wore in the movie with (laughs) T-shirts and gifts. She comes on stage and performs her scene from the movie with Ryan because we had just shot a parody of it. So I had memorized all of Marty's lines. So we knew uh, the lines. And they did the scene full out on stage. He didn't know. Ryan did not know it was happening. Marissa came to me like, Five minutes before we went up and told me what was happening, I was like, "Perfect, I'll make it work." That's amazing. <laughs> my perspective again is is very interesting because I go outside to say hi to my girlfriend. She goes, "Leave, go away, as far away from me as possible." <laughs> like, this took a this relationship's taking like, a turn. <laughs> and then like Sammy's like, "Eddie, I need to talk to you." I'm like, "Do you need to talk to me?" She's like, "No, just Eddie." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> One of these conversations, Ryan's hogging the mic too much or something. But no, <laughs> we have those often. You know, and uh, and so Eddie like has this stupid grin on his face like the first like <laughs> ten minutes. Of uh, before we go on stage, and then uh, we go on stage, and he's like, "All right, we have a special guest." I'm like, "Oh, here we go!" <laughs> and then she comes up, and she like, like, "Hey, it's me," kind of thing. And I looked, took me a second. I was like, "Oh," <laughs> my, I was like, "Is this like my mom's friend, or is this one of my friends' friends? Like, who's surprising me right now?" And then uh, Eddie's like, Jennifer, Jennifer Par-, you know. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" Claudia Wells who played Jennifer Parker in the first movie. Yeah, was, that was awesome. That's pr- that was one thing that I loved with Meltdown is you never knew who might mm-hmm. pop in at a show. Yeah, and like there there were so many times I would just be I would be sitting back at the concession stand or if I was the floater I'd just be sitting out at the stairs and somebody would walk up and be like, "Hey, what show's going on?" And you're just like, "Oh my god!" It was also it was one of those places where the alternate formats allowed for true like the two moments that I always use as, as examples are. Rob Paulson, the voiceover artist who did Yakko yeah, from and Animaniacs, Animaniacs and a bunch, was on a show and wound up doing the the Countries of the World song <laughs> live in <laughs> Meltdown. And like, look, at the Comedy Store, you can see, I, I saw Yakov Smirnoff the other night live on stage doing a bit. You'll see true legends in that place. Right. We, we've been at the store performing the same night Chris Rock was there. Like, insane, right? Jerry Seinfeld has dropped in. Dave Chappelle comes in. But... Seeing somebody perform is also slightly different from I can't believe this moment is happening, mm-hmm. like Yakko from mm. Animaniacs doing the song yeah. in the same way that at a show I was at, Dan Levy's Baby Talk. That's right. Okay. They had Jonathan Lipnicki, who played the little kid in Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. They reenacted the scene with Jonathan Lipnicki <laughs> playing the Tom Cruise role and a kid playing the kid. And it's, oh, that's awesome. So it's even it's it's just outside of the norm where you're like, okay, like if I were not here tonight, I would never have seen Jonathan Lipnicki read the opposite part from his the human head weighs eight pounds scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then he signed off. The kid did all right. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, I the, yeah. So moments like that or Tom Wilson or like all of that alternate stuff, that room was amazing for. Yeah. yeah, and I, I it's hope crazy. that we had a few of those moments from our shows. I was going to say that's someone. that's crazy that you had those moments, and then we also had those moments on stage with our show. I'm sure there are people in the audience that were like, "Oh, there's one time, you know, the real Jennifer Parker from Back to the Future yeah. was there." Yeah, and, 
and uh, you know all the Disney villains roast each other. Or Eliza Skinner as Hamilton does a rap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all of those things for are I, very for fortunate. For, yeah. for one, uh, we were like just kind of testing the waters of historical roasts. Like we'd always usually have, we used to have comedians roasting the historical figure and then someone from the historical figure's life would come on as the guest right as so a for surprise as like a surprise be, you'd have comedians just as themselves because we couldn't afford all the costumes at the beginning of the show so it was an easy way to keep yeah. it down and it was a fun i think it was also a fun format it's not the right no yeah it is very fun version but it's cool to see because then they can make these references yeah. like oh iphones and shit like yeah that. yeah uh, so for einstein it was for all of them they've been people who have been dead but for Einstein, the the secret guest was Stephen Hawking. And it was before and, he had passed. And it was before he had passed. And uh, we had a guy in a wheelchair and everything. We, like, rolled him up. And it was, like, the audience was, like, so surprised that we were doing this. It was Josh Waldron. <laughs> and he had written his jokes onto the computer, hooked oh the computer up. Yeah. And he played them. He didn't say a single word. He played them through the audio. So it was, a, a, like, a computerized voice. And he kept the same face the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Except for when it was, you know, when he broke yeah. a couple times. That's on YouTube right now, too. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So now, now you guys came up with the idea for the historical and the fictional roasts as interns. At yeah. Meltdown. So how, how did that conversation kind of go about? We were, I remember this very specifically. I could, I, I keep trying to nail down the date, but I just have to go back and look at emails and stuff. Just September. In October. <laughs> September. It was October. Was it September? It was September. I have it marked in my calendar. Late, Justin late Willman was doing um, sort of a dry run, a, a practice run of his show, Sleight of Mouth, which became a Comedy Central pilot before he wound up doing Magic for Humans for Netflix. So Justin is working on this pilot, Sleight of Mouth, and I'm a big Justin Willman fan as well as his friend, but I was like, I'm just going to watch this thing. So I go down to Meltdown. I'm not working that night. I sit through the first show. I watch it. An intern or two had called out sick and couldn't make it. So in the intermission, Caitlin or somebody had asked me, "Can you? do you mind just turning the room over, getting it started? Then you can sit down and watch the second show also. Again, from my perspective, it just looked like he's just started straightening chairs for no reason. <laughs> so in the middle of that, for some reason, I had decided in my head, I'd seen enough shows at Meltdown and I'd seen enough shows in L.A., and I knew enough comedians that in my head I was kind of like, I think I could run a show if I wanted. And I wasn't saying I definitely did. I just was like, I knew funny people, and I'd seen a, sh a few shows that I thought I could come up with something that was funnier than that or drew differently. or like I just knew the comedians, too. I was like, I can get funny people out here. So I look. I, we're, we're straightening up, and we went towards like the back bar area, like concession stand, mm -hmm. and the they calendar. have they have the calendar hanging up on the yeah. bulletin board. And Ryan was working, and I just turned to Ryan. This is legitimate, like apropos of nothing. We were just standing there. I said, Ryan, what's missing from the schedule? Like, what's like, what's not here? And I was like, I don't know, a roast. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great idea, but like you can't. We couldn't just roast the comedians here. That's not enough. There's no pull to it. Like, what would it be here? I was like, and what I was if like, it was what if it was historical figures? No, we were like, because we were talking. I remember this specifically too. You were like, I was like, it can't be just any comedian because no one would just come to see us yeah. like roast like some comedian that we see on stage sometimes. Here. And there's very much the L.A. famous comedian that nobody outside yeah. of mm -hmm. and ten I was like, miles will know who they also, are. I was like, they can't <laughs> be honest, just, like that's also been done it's yeah. not like like that's also for me and we're gonna finish the story but like one of the reasons that we never roast somebody who's alive 
is because if they're living, then they're already up for a roast anyway. Mm-hmm. Comedy Central or someone else can easily roast yeah. them. It's so not. I remember saying they can't they can't be that famous because then they can sue us. So they yeah, Ryan. Nobody who's be ever dead. been roasted has sued I, anybody. I immediately <laughs> went to that, and my dad actually told me the other day. He was like, he's like, well, yeah, they have to be dead, or else they'd sue you. I'm like, exactly right. That's what I was saying. <laughs> so it's like he's definitely my dad. But. So that that's what I, I I've always been fascinated by history, and I had bits that kind of explored history and why why things are done the way we're done, or the the whole perspective of relooking through it. And and so I was like, all right, well, what if it was historical figures and like. Like dead people, like, like well, that's that's why figure. I said they'd have to be dead. And he was like, "Oh, like history." And I was like, "Yeah, uh, I guess so." I love how in and this then, version of the story, Ryan's taking credit for both halves of the idea. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. Because you said, because then you, you said, said you I'm, saw that, no, right? No, no, like, no. This like is whole, real. We've told this story a he, thousand. He keeps times. morphing the story. So this is it's you. <laughs> no, I've told morph the story. You listen, listen, listen to every podcast we've done. So he you, goes. He's, you always said roasts and i always said historical figures no i always said they can sue us so they'd have to be dead so eddie says like history i was like i guess would they like be there he's like yeah you dress up the comedians and that's where the still show sounds came. like he's taking credit for you both said halves. The, oh god <laughs> it still this does. is how he is always <laughs> I, I i can hear i can hear him giving you credit for the historical part okay yeah. <laughs> all right good he doesn't yeah. hear it <laughs> the, the middle child in me will not let it go because as far as it's i'm concerned tr- he true. said roast i said history and that's how i remember <laughs> specifically saying also we can't when get we get sued if they're alive. when we get to the tonight show you have to make it more succinct the, the version you just said is so again worried. my perspective but you know what i mean it's, like you get it for the tonight show it's Ryan was like, we should roast people. And I was like, well, what about historical figures? And he was like, that's great. And that's the story. Like, you don't need more than that. <laughs> You're convoluted. I no. said they should be dead. I like the truth, though. Uh. But it's not. <laughs> oh, God. Tim, we still you, roast each other. You, you can bet money on which of us was higher at the moment. I absolutely was not high, too. He, actually, he adds that every high. time. He's I was like, and we got high. stoned. I'm like, dude, I told you, I can't get stoned when I intern at Nerd Melt. I was definitely I high because I wasn't working. I was high. <laughs> I was high because I came to see a magic show. He's always like, well, you got stoned before. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Although I It wasn't say that hard to get stoned at Meltdown. You just had to right Sarah Silverman was performing. Exactly. Or, or somebody. Doug. Yeah, or Doug. Yeah. You could just stand by the back door and just secondhand, <laughs> and you were good. <laughs> uh, I also think that conceptually to say that this this show was born in a cloud of smoke is not wrong even if you weren't <laughs> high that night just because everything i'm looking high for the first year and a half of our show we were high every time we walked on stage until <laughs> was it was it neil armstrong was the one that finally we were like we can't do this anymore like we have to we have to not smoke before the show no, it was, it was that kurt or kurt cobain. cobain it was kurt cobain because i was like oh in the spirit of kurt cobain we'll smoke and then i was like nope we'll never do this again <laughs> It was on all. It was like it was a great show. I'm always amazed though how much certain comics are able, like you wouldn't necessarily know that they're high, but it enhances their performance. Mm-hmm. So, I, do you guys know Billy Anderson? He does uh, the Gateway Show. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Billy. Uh, yeah. Uh, my friend Aaron, who does their show uh, a fair amount when they've kind of toured it around. Aaron. Aaron Woodall. Okay. So he uh, he had told me when he was on the podcast that it wasn't until doing that, and he grew up very straight laced Mormon, didn't like had never touched marijuana or anything. Utah, and then yeah, yeah, he, yeah, that's Utah for you. <laughs> as soon as he did, he realized like it helped him kind of like slow down some of his like the way that he was doing his jokes, and it helped his comedy so much. Yeah, and just like the little teeny ways, like he was already a great comic, and it was just like those just little teeny 
no pun intended, seedlings yeah. that <laughs> that <laughs> helped them. It's it's crazy sometimes with certain comics how it enhances their performance. Up in, up until Kurt Cobain, I smoked all the time before stage. If I was doing open mics, if I had shows, if we had a show, and that was kind of the like I had started to taper off performance wise, and that was the show we both smoked, and it was just I. I didn't enjoy that feeling that time, and I like now I enjoy doing it more when I'm not. And so what I'll do mm. is a few times a year I'll be drunk or high on stage to kind of mess with the system a little. Yeah. But like George Carlin said, like George Carlin wrote sober and edited high. I actually find that when I'm just writing, I want to write high and edit sober. Yeah. My fr- I free my mind more on the initial smoke where I come up with the train of I can follow that train of thought I can go somewhere crazy I can open it up and then later I'll come back in and look at it and be like alright well joke structure says or you have this and I'll write on this later or answer this question you left open ended and yeah, I like writing scripts. Uh, like it's kind of like writing scripts where like you you write it and then you come back to it and make mm-hmm. it better. Kind of when you're more sober, yeah. when you're more professional, like you know more, whatever. So I'll constantly do that with scripts, and it's the same with stand-up comedy. You write a bit stoned, and then you figure it out and flesh it out sober. Yeah, and one of my favorite scripts I wrote, slightly high, and mm-hmm. it was li- literally I couldn't sleep, was a little high, and just sat down and cranked it out. And it's it's about god it's playing off of i think therefore i am yeah and god all of a sudden having to think about his own existence and god becoming an atheist and questioning his own existence (laughs) it's just a stupid short that's good but when i hammered it out the next morning i was like what did i write last night and when i read through it again i was like that's pretty good for a stone brain i can (laughs) did you ever hear the story of stephen king's story about cujo no stephen king does not remember writing cujo Oh, really? He knows that on a Friday, he went into a hotel room with a shit ton of Coke and a typewriter, and he woke up on Monday morning with a wastebasket full of bloody tissues and a full manuscript on the desk, and he doesn't remember writing a word of it. Wow. One of his most popular books in the 80s and 90s with that movie and all that doesn't remember a lick of it, as far as he says, although that is also a very good story, isn't it? If I ever finished his book on writing, I bet you that story's in there, and I've just never gotten to it. (laughs) So to finish our story, we come up with this idea. I was high. He was working. And it was one of those conversations that we wouldn't have paid any attention to because we also, as I've always said, Ryan and I weren't close friends. We weren't workshopping ideas. It's not like we sat down and ahead of time said we should find an idea to work on together even. We had a conversation. And at the end of the night, I just said to him, like any good idea or any joke or anything, I was like, if we're still thinking about this in the morning, it means it's a good idea and we actually have to follow through on it. And I did not stop thinking about it until 1030 or whatever it was. I emailed him the next day and I was like, this is really good. We need to actually do this. Again, I wrote high and edited sober. I wrote the idea high. When I looked at it sober, I was like, no, this is really good. This is how you structure it. This is what you could do with it. You could have these people. You could have these historical figures. I was like, this is brilliant. So we sat at a Panera Bread that you know no longer exists. I told you. On the last podcast we did, I was like, we outlasted the Panera. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we did that Our show outlasted the Panera. (laughs) I thought that was – somebody else mentioned it to me this week, I think. Or maybe it was was on Basic Witches. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we don't get stoned before a podcast either. (laughs) We've done a podcast a day for two weeks now. Oh, wow. remember what stories i've said already. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm just so we we meet at panera bread we flesh out what this what the show could be we go to at that point hannah Crichton was in charge of meltdown we asked for a spot 
And she was like, you guys have no track record. You haven't shown that you've done a show. We don't know it if you could draw. We don't know what it would even look like. It's funny because she asked, she's like, do you even know comedians that can sell out at auditorium? I'm like, I have this one friend who's been going around doing this thing as a character. She's like, but can you sell out auditoriums? And at the time, I was like, no. And then, like, literally a year later, he was selling out auditoriums in, like, Australia. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, we should have had him on the show. <laughs> and it was, uh, at that time, they were trying to establish a working relationship between the school and the main room. Because mm. there, there hadn't really been any sort of crossover. They were all under the same banner, but different management and no right. real cohesion. And so we were basically pitched to be like, go to Nerdist School. They should give you a spot. We'll test it out there. And if you can do three shows and show that it works and you can draw people and you can put it together, we'll talk about bringing it over. And I will always point out, I, I like to do this on podcasts when we talk about it because I feel like this might be a moment if there's somebody who's listening who's wondering about an idea or they're trying to do something. or like We were met with a no. We were told we couldn't do the thing we wanted to do. But instead of ever giving up or looking at it as a roadblock we couldn't get past or we never even got slightly discouraged. We simply turned to each other and we were like, we actually said it this way. We said, all right, let's just become the meltdown show of the Nerdist School and become so big and popular that we blow that place up and then they have to let us over. Like we, we just it became this like, let's just do it then full out. And legitimately, we did become. Like, we became a phenomenon over there. Like, we yeah. one time had 60 people show up to the Nerdist School, which fits 25 or 30 Yeah, it's people. a very were, small yeah, room. And they were mostly doing, like, improv and maybe some sketch. There was think, nothing I don't like think there was any... There was yeah, no stand-up. standard stand-up, maybe. I don't even think there was. We yeah, you're had right. people who were standing outside on the sidewalk looking in the door just to watch the show. Oh, wow. That night. And that was the night where I was like, we did the thing we said we would do. And we got a heckler our first night, too. This drunk yeah. heckler figure, uh, found her way up. Like, <laughs> As a non-stand-up, Ryan row. loves that moment. Yeah. I've dealt with enough of them. but like, No, I mean, that wasn't the last heckler we had either. But it's, it made sense that we had a heckler at a roast show yeah. of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so we did five shows there before we got a chance to move over to the main room. We went. Um, our sixth show was Walt Disney, where Brad Gage played Walt Disney, and Melissa Villasenor played Mickey Mouse. We had Kyle Clark on that episode. We had John Roy on that show, who just recently worked with James Adomian on, the, um, on our show on Netflix the show. Netflix series with uh, John Roy was helping to write with James Adomian and Best Stelling. Beth Stelling, which is, it's so funny to me. Beth Stelling roasting Walt Disney is our most watched clip on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know exactly why that's the one that has the most, but it is. She it is just... in the, the roast battle episode of uh, Pete Holmes' show Yeah, I, on HBO. Again, yeah, I, I could right. not analyze why that's the one and why it's so dramatically much more than our other views. But And then we, and that's how we moved over. We started at the school. We moved over to the main room six shows in. Then we stayed there for a while, about a year about a year of being in the main room is when we pitched the idea of doing our first fictional roast. When we sat down, we were like, let's do historical roast. We were like, does Santa Claus count? And does yeah. Superman count? And we immediately were like, you no, know what? It's... That sounds like a second show. Let's push that aside mm -hmm. and keep it on our back pocket, and we can always come do the fictional version. A year into it is when we roasted Harry Potter, Macho Man, and we did our first show at the Comedy Store, three shows in a single month. And it was like... It's still my favorite month. Like yeah. we did three shows; they were all seventy-five or more packed house people. Like so we, yeah. full on, like amazing shows. And so we're Macho Man, Harry Potter, Comedy Store. W w three weeks in a row, 
all Tuesday nights and just like boom, 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 amazing. It was amazing. And we're like, wow, night. we're exhausted. And the next month we did basically the same thing because we did a show. I think we did one. They at called Nerd us Melt. last minute to do Comedy Store again. Right. And then we did a Nerd Melt Historical Roast. And then we also went to Ventura uh, yeah. Comedy Festival. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's, it's got to feel great, though, when you guys are thinking, you know, this. We've done these handful, you know, at the Nerdist School. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully, you know, we're going to become a phenomenon here. Do all of a sudden you have three shows in a month and you're just selling them out. And, I mean, where where, where did the comics start to – did people start to finally reach out to you guys to be like, hey, we want to be a part of this? Oh, when did that start happening? Because we I can tell you the first – Ryan and I, uh, Ryan, I say this to Ryan all the time. He doesn't always agree with me on this, but I will always, <laughs> I always over romanticize the first five shows at Nerdist School. And in some ways, I've said to Sammy and Ryan both, like, this is a time that will, like, nothing will ever compare to that. Because I agree. Was, on you. I agree with you on that. I just didn't want to speak for you on that one because I do. I no, know I that I over. I know <laughs> that I. I told you last dude, night. I was like, I'll always remember when. What podcast were we on? No, it was just us. Or was it last night? I don't remember. This week we were crazy. definitely stoned last night. I was telling him. Were you even over last? Did you come over last night? Isn't that when we were? No, that was Thursday night. <laughs> study guide. Last night I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was with them. We were. We Look, were the, I was Tim, the moral him. of the story is: if you get a Netflix show, you're exhausted. You don't remember what day it is. Yeah, but that's all. So I, I'll always over romanticize those first five shows because we didn't actually. It's not like they gave us a batch of five dates. We would have a date. And then we'd have to wait until they emailed us back and said, we'll give you another one. And that was Nerdist School. This was like far, long before Nerd. This is a little bit before Nerdmout, long before Netflix. So we like, this was all we kind of had as performance pretty it, much. It was yeah. brand new. We, like show also was taking shape as it happened. Like each show at the Nerdist School exposed something to us that showed us what the show could be as it was happening. Because some historical roast isn't simply a show about roasting people with jokes and setups and punchlines because there's character work involved and there's an actual story of history it allows for this expansion of the idea in a very big way so sketches can come into the play music can come in like our first show we roasted abraham lincoln pat riley played abe lincoln john ungaro played john wilkes booth and unbeknownst to us because abe lincoln was a wrestler they finished their set with Pat picking John up in an airplane spin, <laughs> spun him around, and then dropped him on the ground. Yeah. And we're like, oh, wow. And then the next one, another show, um, Kyle Clark plays Ben Franklin, and Adam Murray plays John Adams, and he got a sugar glass bottle that John Adams threw at Ben Franklin. And then in our last show there, we're roasting Cleopatra and Caesar, and Julian M. Stern as Caesar finishes the show with a rap. And that's when we were like, this show can be Anything. Anything. So those first five have this. It wasn't until the George Washington roast. The first person to reach out to us has actually become a mainstay on our show, which is Matt McCarthy. Okay. Matt McCarthy is – there's a few people at this point I've, I've unofficially given stock in the show where I'm like, you've got part ownership. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Him, Scout Durwood, Jeremiah Watkins. There's a list of people where we go th- – and Matt reached out to us on Twitter, I think, and was like, how do I yeah. become a part of this show? And we were like, done. And it was Who right up his alley. Roast? He's like, I don't care. We're like, how about George Washington? He was like, done. He comes in shorts. <laughs> yeah. He comes in shorts. We give him the Ben Franklin costume. He puts the wig on his head, but it doesn't cover his red hair. 
And he does this entire set where the whole time he just calls Martha Washington a whore. Over <laughs> for eight, Tim, for eight minutes. So it's that it's the, the lesson in repetition where the first three minutes it's hilarious. The next three minutes it gets terrible. The minute after that you're like, this better stop. And the last two minutes you're like, oh my God, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. He won't stop. Yeah. He was the first one. And then we got some people reaching out, but it was also like word of mouth. Like Matt put us in touch with Joe DeRosa or we'd reach out to somebody and be like, can you get us that person? Or they came with someone or they they'd heard of the show. That was the other thing about a year into it when we roasted Hitler for the first time on our one year anniversary. It started to become the thing where if we messaged someone or emailed someone within our circle, even if we didn't know them, there was a good chance they'd at least known somebody or heard of it. So they were familiar. They needed to see proof of concept, understand what it was they were signing up for. So they were like, oh, I get what I'm doing. Okay, good. I can do it. I think the Hitler one was actually the first one that I saw. Which one? <laughs> so it Dave was. And I Julia Prescott so. was it's... Anne Frank and ran around yes, the room I'm... to yak. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's yeah. a moment. See, Nerd Melt, Another great moment. for yeah. moments. And that's us not just simply roasting. Because Julia went outside the box and she was like, I'll have an SS guard chase me around. And we were like, done. To Betty Hill music. <laughs> to, to Betty, Betty Hill's Hill. yakety sacks. Like, that's one of those things where it's not a joke. It's not a setup punchline. It's not even roasting Hitler. And then Dave Ross is getting up and yelling, get her, God, get her. <laughs> so those are the moments that Nerd Melt's great for, but that our show kind of opens up to because it doesn't just have to be, you know, Hitler, you're so dumb. Nobody likes you kind of jokes. Yeah. that's yeah. It's great for some, like, we come from both backgrounds. I come from, like, kind of a sketch uh, improv background he comes yeah. from stand-up so we can do all sorts of things in the show i remember we did uh we were roasting hillary and trump for polit we did like a political roast mm -hmm. and my friend come out as ken bone and we did a little <laughs> bit it was pretty yeah. great so I, th I think the first one that my wife had actually noticed uh, because she would hang out at meltdown when she wasn't working or anything and oh, nice. it was when you guys were doing the historical roast i can't remember if it was historical or fictional of god Historical. You could have done fictional. <laughs> we we can absolutely uh, keep going. I'll tell you exactly how we came to making it a historical roast. But my wife, I remember she was staring at the poster and she was just like, this is fucking genius. And that was, <laughs> that, that had her soul just looking at the poster, grasping immediately what the concept was and was just like, yes, this yeah. is. Did she see it? Was she there? She did. She did end up coming. Did to she that. see the audience? Yes. <laughs> First of all, so many people. Also, not the demographic we usually get. No. <laughs> a lot of senior citizens were there. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. They want to. You want to roast them before they meet them. <laughs> so first and foremost, I want to make sure we give a shout out to my brother, Mike Firth. Yeah. Uh, he lives in New York. He's a post-production supervisor, editor, director, a graphic artist. My brother has done 90% of our posters, and the only time he doesn't is when work absolutely doesn't allow him to. I've said it to him. I've said it to other people. But my brother helped define our show because those posters had to be instantly recognizable. They were all different. We didn't have a we didn't have a reusable poster which we originally tried to conceive of one that was like a standard look that you would just plug information into. But he started to make different ones for every month and it it absolutely helped in every way define what the show was by the look, the feel, the the tone of it. I just I just imagine your brother texting you one day and being like, hey, so for Helen Keller, I put duct tape over her mouth and her eyes. <laughs> and you're just like, OK, send it that, over. <laughs> that one they took down. They felt that was too aggressive at Nerd Melt. They felt it was too aggressive to put tape over her face. Did you know that? But like we did. A few but why? Words, like sometimes but why would the would would blind people complain? Look, if look, <laughs> the, that building is closed now. I'm incredibly loving and respectful of it. 
there are some things about the way that place ran that were less accepting than the initial entree made you believe. For instance, I just told the story today when we wanted to roast Robin Williams. We roasted the first roast we did at the comedy store was it was called Historical Roast the Comedy Store, and it was all dead comedians who were regulars at the store. So your headliners were like Carlin and Pryor and Robin Williams. We had Joan Rivers and Sam Kinison and all, every dead comedian you could think of, Robin Williams being one of them because he had just passed. About a year later, we proposed doing something similar to that by roasting Robin Williams or dead comedians at the com- at Nerd Melt, and we were told in no uncertain terms we could not roast Robin Williams. At really? It was not going to fly with what they did. They, they were willing to push certain boundaries, but in some areas, they were the, the idea of being sensitive to people's feelings in comedy was like, we don't want to upset people with that idea. And we got a, a, away with plenty, but there were a few times our posters... Uh, one time we were asked to take them out of Meltdown alone because somebody who was related to one of the figures that we were roasting was a regular there, and they didn't want to upset the customer. We were encouraged by Gaston and management. Gaston and management loved us. They yeah. could not Francisco, Gaston, everybody who worked there could not have been more encouraging or supporting or loving or helpful with our show. And so when Gaston called me, he was super apologetic, but was like, we can't have you put this poster in the window because if this person's kin comes in and sees it we don't want to have to try to explain why this is the way that it is and in that vein the helen keller poster with the tape over the face there were a few versions my brother did like paint over the mouth did this, like he did a few different versions and one had duct tape and i put a bunch of different ones up and all of the duct tape ones were taken down because they were just seen as a little too aggressive of like you put duct tape over her mouth and eyes yeah for Walt Disney, we had him on a uh, at a uh, dartboard. Dartboard. I was about to say Target board. That's yeah. the, <laughs> the shopping <laughs> store. So the reason that God was historical roast and not fictional roast. There's two reasons. The inside baseball reason is because it was a month after our third anniversary, and we had just we the third anniversary show was the first time that Jeff Ross had come to see our live show, and he was already signed on to pitch for television. So at that point, and even now, as you'll see, like our schedule this this year is heavy with historical roasts versus fictional roasts, because right now we're pushing history. Yeah. Like right now, that's that's what we're doing the most. It was our first show. It's our original show. It's the the LA version of saying this. Like it's the brand right now. That's where we started. That's what we're working with. But the real reason was when we sat down and talked about it. It doesn't matter if God is real or not. It doesn't matter. In the version of our show, he's affected more history than almost anybody else you can speak Very of. Very true. So when it comes to just plain history, we told the story from the Bible, but we were like, this is history in the way of, it doesn't matter if God's real or not. We've fought over him. We've disagreed over him. Everything has been based on the idea of God. So this is history, whether it's real or real history or not history. And for me, the, the caveat on that show to show that we were being silly and playful and we weren't trying to make a religious statement was that we had Santa Claus there to roast God. That was where I was like, this is how we're going to show, like, yes, it's Noah and Moses and the Virgin Mary, Satan. and it's uh, Satan was there, and all of these people, but if we throw Santa Claus up there, then we're going to show people, like, yeah, Jesus is here, but Santa's here, guys. Like, don't take this seriously. We're, yeah. not, we're not insulting religion. We're not saying this isn't... We're calling it history, but Santa Claus is here. Like, that was the balance right. for us. That's why it was history. Do you think Santa's the reason those those two people left in the middle of the show? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think it's because you and I weren't funny. That's probably what people No, they say, left right? in the middle. <laughs> Maybe we came back. They're like, we didn't know they were coming we back. We didn't know. Those idiots are back. God, God damn. damn. They're not even in costume. <laughs> they wouldn't say goddamn. <laughs> and the show is morphed. That's the beautiful thing. You talk about us not being in costume then. It wasn't until after producing the Netflix show that Ryan and I started to dress in costume as well. So it's gone through basically three versions. One is that it was the historical figure, a surprise guest who is also a historical figure, and then comedians as themselves. In time, we moved to the format we always wanted, which was everyone on the dais and on the panel is a historical figure. And then starting after the Netflix series when we had worked with Jeff and worked through all the details and saw that, we were like, let's try this out where we're in costume as well, and we've been now in costume at the Civil War, we played uh, a, a union and a Confederate soldier. At Ted Bundy, we played two police officers. And for the Mother Teresa roast coming up this week, we have a really funny costume for the two of us. We'll be <laughs> matching, um, but we're, we'll, we'll always be these sort of ancillary characters, these nondescript, faceless, maybe, maybe sometimes an actual historical figure, but mostly just like the witnesses to history, if yeah, you will. And we'll roast each other a little bit, too. We, yeah. Like Ryan, as the police officer, looked like a teenager undercover as a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> he looked Eddie, like Eddie, three kids stacked on top of each other. And Eddie looked like the librarian <laughs> at the police academy. Ryan looked like the kind of police officer who would ride a lime scooter. <laughs> you look like a police officer's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> you looked like a substitute police officer. Did you say we look like intern, <laughs> interns at oh, the you, police academy? You, you, you had the intern. Yeah. And the Mother Teresa one, that one's at the Comedy Store. That one's at the Comedy yeah, Store. 10.30 p.m. Wednesday, yeah. May 27th. We have 27th. two shows coming up this week, 29th. which is... Because you guys have the Pixar one over at uh, over at Dynasty It's as well. insane June to 2nd. me that we're doing all of this in the week the show comes out, too. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like Monday it comes out. Wednesday sounded, we got a show. Sunday we have another show. It sounded like a brilliant idea when we first talked about it. It was like, oh, good, two shows the week Plenty it comes out. We'll have, we'll have momentum. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't think of all the stuff we were going to have to do before the show came out. Like... The premiere event alone was enough for, for me to kind of get tired on and all this stuff going in and out of it. But knowing that we had stuff a few weeks before and a few weeks after, lesson learned. <laughs> now, how, did, how did Sammy get involved? Sammy was the first person when I started interning oh, at no. Meltdown. Sammy was like my first person that I knew outside of Caitlin because uh, I'd come I'd come to the open mic. I was working that night and. Sammy was the one like, come on board. And then Sammy's great. Actually, on board is exactly how we were coming up with the show. And we came up with the show idea. And we're like, to pull this off, we need someone who knows how to make this a podcast. And, and we, we, went, need, we need someone to run the show. when, Like, yeah. run the sound. Like, take care of putting sh a show together. And I met Sammy when she was running the Mo, the Mo show with Mo Welch. Yeah. So I knew she was, she was great at doing stuff like that. We just needed... We needed somebody to help fix some nuts and bolts and help reach some of the comedians that we didn't know and help format things. And, and Sammy's a pro at tech, so during the show, we had someone who like made sure everything ran smoothly as far as sound and lights and everything. I also fully believe in a three-person team across the board. Because, for instance, if Ryan and I were running this thing together alone, at a certain point, we're going to come to a place where we disagree on an idea or a thought. We're going to have a difference of opinion. If it's just the two of us, there really is no way to put in perspective which direction to walk in because it's just your idea and my idea. If you have three people, you'll eventually come to a place where two are saying, let's go in this direction, and you just follow the majority then where it's like, okay, well, if two out of the three of us think this is the good direction, let's give it a shot. Um, 
But Sammy was the one and only person we asked. It was we needed one other person to help pull this off. We were novice at it. We needed someone with, with experience. I love Sammy's point of view on everything we've done because the three the, the best part about the three person team that we have is that our perspectives on life and comedy are very different. Our influences, our styles, what makes us laugh, what we want to see on stage, so that you get this blend where so many things become possible and so many things become relevant and so many things become interesting because Ryan is bringing this perspective and Ram Sammy's bringing this perspective and I'm bringing another idea and the three of us together just have this really unique alchemy that I like you talk about that in Hollywood it's not the idea it's the execution of the idea mm -hmm. and it took this three person team to bring together the execution of an idea how, how quickly was Sammy on board with you guys before uh, our first show and, and to okay. put in perspective from the moment we conceived of the idea to the very first show was about six weeks, if not less. Like, we got this thing up and running at the Nerdist School. Oh, wow. Super quick was our first booking, and Sammy was on before we ever got there. Sammy was at our very first show, the three of us together. There's a great picture of us looking like children. <laughs> drunk children. Very drunk <laughs> children at the Nerdist School that we'll post probably next Thursday as our throwback Thursday right after it all comes out. Yeah. Um, what we brought her on right it was basically we sat down we talked about it we knew we needed somebody else i said let's get sammy ryan was like i'm down we called sammy up <laughs> you make me sound so unenthusiastic <laughs> yeah whatever man i'll be in my room <laughs> well, don't worry ryan you came up with both halves of the idea no so. i did not eddie come on so don't worry this guy tim i've Stoned done nothing out of his mind. i've done nothing on this oh show my god. for four and a half years oh my god <laughs> so how did jeff ross eventually get involved uh, sammy was the first i saw post that the show had been picked up on and, Netflix. Yeah, for Netflix. And uh, that Jeff Ross was the one mm -hmm. uh, executive producing everything and, and hosting. Mm -hmm. First of all, as the roast master general. And you're right. If I mean, if you're doing a roast show, you need Jeff Ross, yeah. first of all. Uh, so fortunate to work with him. He's, he's literally the best. And we actually, I tell this all the time, uh, Eddie was like, hey, our first show. Eddie, uh, Eddie was like, Jamar posted about our show and somebody liked it. And I looked and Jeff Ross had liked a tweet about our show, like the oh, premise wow. of our show right before we were about to do our show. I was like, that gives us confidence. That makes me feel. And I think really that added some magic to, it almost gave us like good luck, I think in the, in the show's success. And now it's come full circle back to Jeff. Yeah. That's I've really only had cool the thing. chance to meet Jeff once. It was at the oddball comedy tour mm. three, four years ago. I mean, nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Most people I think would, yeah, think oh he's he's just so intense and it's just like no he's a comedian no, like yeah. that's nicest guy in the world and i hope i get to meet him again in the future i'm sure you but will. just the clips i've seen what he's done with the show as well just on top of what you guys already had going it's just brilliant <laughs> i mean everything that from what you guys have built and then kind of letting him take take control uh hosting it, it, it's an incredible show thanks man yeah, I, he is. Uh, I have so much to say about Jeff. Uh, I mean, first, I'll, I'll finish the story. It's a very simple process that just took a long time. Like when you saw Sammy post that we had signed very long, very late in the process, what was essentially a. God, was it a year and a half in total? It was around. I mean, we had talked about pitching it. Yeah, it was about right after our year anniversary. But the process with signing Jeff and signing everybody right. was ultimately – basically our story with Jeff was a year and a half long yeah. while the pitch process itself from start 
to close of, of it was three years. So the way Jeff gets involved is we had signed with a producer, A.J. Tesler. Huge shout out to A.J. Tesler. He approached us and said, I pitch things for television. I love your idea. We'll sign on. And this was around our one-year anniversary. We're like, yeah, we had, we had definitely talked about television. Our goal was after two years of establishing ourselves, we'd start to go out and work to get it on TV. But a year in, A.J.'s like, I'd love to try. And we're like, sure. A.J. works for feverishly for, for a year on our, our deal with him. And at the end of it, in the 11th hour, he gets a production company, OBB Pictures, interested. So we sign the extensions. We sign with OBB. It all works. Towards our, the end of our pitch deal with OBB, they're like, we have Jeff Ross interested because they knew they wanted to bring on a celebrity host. Mm-hmm. And people will ask this, not hosting the show on television, it sucks in the way of, of course, I would have liked to host the show on television. But in every way, both on and off camera, working with Jeff and the team that he brings with him was the best possible scenario. First off, it changes the kind of show we get to make, but it changes what we get to learn about making television shows. We got a doctorate degree in making television yeah. versus going to college freshman year to make it. Like if they'd given us, first, if we host it, we're on the CISO app, we get this and that. Like we're, it's a way different version of it, and we don't get to glean off the knowledge that he brings, which is a very succinct, that's not going to work. We're going to have to do it this way, and he knows exactly how and why. So Jeff signs on in, in theory, Jeff signs on in May. Right of the year that will be our three-year anniversary show. So our anniversary is November 29th, right after Thanksgiving. In May, he agrees. Late in the summer, he all the papers signed because all that stuff takes time. And in November, our three-year anniversary show is the first time he comes and sees it live. And instantly, he fell in love with us and the show and what we did. He had He had nothing but the utmost respect for what we did, which then, as you saw when we made it for television... Jeff was insanely emotionally involved with what we did and at every turn wanted to honor what we did. He included us in the process every step of the way. We were in the writer's room every second of every single day. There was no questions asked. This was still our show. We were involved. We were clearly ceding to to Jeff, but that's the reason you bring somebody like that in is to collaborate in the way of tell me. Tell me what you see. Like what would you do? You 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 make it your version, but the version that we made is exactly the version that we do anyway. It's 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 just this fully realized ultimate version that we could only have done with Jeff Ross and the care he put in to the show and to dealing with us, everything from personal to professional advice on and off set on how to deal with this. And I all go real deep on an inside moment between us. Right before the show was going to be shot, there were a lot of questions about how Ryan and I would or would not make cameos on the show. And one of the original ideas was we were going to be playing all of the, we'll call blink and you miss it roles, right? The secret service that mm-hmm. escorts Abe Lincoln out. The um, the guards that escort Cleopatra out. Like every one of these little inserted roles Ryan and I were going to play. And right before we went to shoot, it was decided that we would get one of those spots, but not one every single show. And then Jeff just was sitting with me one day and he's like, dude, as your friend, don't worry about that. Put a suit on, sit in the audience at the Netflix executives table, and enjoy the show. 
And I realized what he was saying was, you're going to work in this business the rest of your life. You don't want to work now. Just sit back and have a good time. I got to sit at a table with my mother and then later with my father, the divorce, like with Ryan and Sammy, with my girlfriend, with friends who came and we just got to enjoy it. And the level of attention to just be like, trust me when I tell you, you're going to want to enjoy this moment. And if you're working, you're not going to enjoy it. So just take it. And and it translates across the board. The people that he brought in from the director, Joel Gallen, the editors, the, the music from Avery Pearson, the obvious guests like Bob Saget, that's his friend that he got to come out like I can't imagine doing this show without Jeff. And I am I'm truly honored and grateful that we worked with him and that he did what he did with with it. And he included us the entire way. There's not a second I missed where we didn't talk over basically everything but we knew it was we knew it was his that's why you bring him in to collaborate with somebody that good at this and the funny thing is he knew who would be good at roasting dead people so, yeah. he, <laughs> so all the writers room was filled with people he's worked with uh people comedians who have been on roast battle that he's worked with through that and a lot of people who worked on roast battle that we had in the room had been on our live show so they had been roasting dead people for like with our show for years over over Some half of the writers room had appeared on our show yeah and we're also either with Roast Battle or we knew them. Like over half the room were our friends who had done our show. And so instantly I was like, oh, this is in great hands. Like yeah. they get what we do. They care about what we do. They love us. We're going to honor the spirit of this show. Because the idea would be you never would want to go in and have this thing redefined or reformatted in a way that doesn't feel like it or doesn't look like it. Yeah, you don't leave your baby with strangers. And Make sure there's instance, a few relatives there, too. They didn't. It's not like they tried to rewrite the show or, or fix the wheel. Like They just said, all right, let's take this and do it on the big, large, wonderful scale. Big shout-out to Michael Ratner, Miranda Sherman, uh, Kafir, Scott Ratner, everybody at OBB, because they worked tirelessly to stretch and make this show above and beyond what anybody thought it could have been when we went into making it. And pre-production was eight weeks, and we worked up to that like they were working before that as well but we had eight weeks to make something huge out of it and they really everyone came and we filmed three episodes in two weeks or sorry three episodes each week for two weeks oh wow filmed all six episodes in two weeks weeks. monday wednesday friday two weeks in a row it was supposed to be two episodes a week for three and because of writing and just truncating the schedule it became monday wednesday friday two weeks in a row and the room writers room came and wrote in between so if we filmed on monday tuesday we wrote from 10 a.m until 2 a.m went to sleep came back the next day shot an episode you know went back on thursday fixed the script for friday on the weekend saturday and sunday get monday's script ready like it was and with that they were also turning the set around for each show so <laughs> yeah. constantly changing that getting making sure the costumes for everyone's there and they made the audience dress up so that is a lot of costumes per part. show that is the best part the best part the, the, the so roger forker is our costume designer he did incredible work every piece that those historical figures wore were period pieces pulled from costume shops that were of the level that you would use on a period film. For instance, the Caesar costume that Ryan Felipe wears as Julius Caesar was worn by George Clooney in Hail Caesar (laughs) in his role as Caesar. And like the Confederate soldier costumes that Ryan and I wear were full-on period pieces made. Like if you were shooting a Civil War movie, you'd wear the costumes we had. But on top of the costuming job he did where he had six different shows with six different eras and six different looks and six different periods 
he then costumed the entire studio audience of over a hundred people. That's incredible. To match whatever. So if it was Cleopatra, everyone got a uh, a toga or a robe or something that put them in Egyptian and 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 Roman era style things. In for um, when you watch the Abe Lincoln episode, people are in Civil War era dresses in the front row, bonnets. Tops like uniforms too. Civil rights era when we do Martin Luther King Jr. For Muhammad Ali, they dressed them up. For Freddie Mercury, they gave out armbands and rock and roll stuff. Like they made sure the entire studio audience of over a hundred people were costumed and then undressed at the end of the night on their way out. It like Herculean task that Roger Forker deserves two Emmy Awards for because he didn't just costume the characters, he costumed an audience and i don't know of another show that has ever costumed their entire audience on the way into a live taping it was so funny because my parents came for the uh muhammad ali and they put my my dad in like a zoot suit kind of thing <laughs> and, they, and people were like and the costume people were like trading pu- pushing him back and forth like oh put a tie on him oh and add this to him too they didn't even know it was my dad they just like this guy needs to look good <laughs> and then we ended up sitting in the corner so really <laughs> that, that really Roger is and Erica did a great job with that i want to mention erica schwartz as well yeah i mean that just takes it to a whole different level even as like a spectator watching it on on tv to bring you into the entire element of each episode. Yeah. And that, I, that was something I did not know about it. Like I, I saw, I think a couple of pictures, both of you guys had posted as, as the Confederate and, and Union. Oh soldiers. yeah. Jeff had, Jeff had posted a picture, I think. But, yeah. but I was, I was just assuming, yeah, that was just you guys in cameos. I did not realize that was going to be every, the every whole audience. audience. That is, every that really show. is incredible. Ours were real uh, uniforms that we had bullet holes in ours. Yeah. <laughs> saw some blood in my pockets. <laughs> and those bullet holes came from some of the staff. The, yeah. writer, the writers were chasing us out with guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, here. you talk about that production schedule, too. And, I mean, I'm sure there, there's people that are going to listen and be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go into TV if it's – but for me, I mean, that sounds like – that sounds wonderful to be writing. I mean, it's exhausting. I mean, it, but look at the end product. I mean, it's – I, I think i can speak for both of you and say you don't regret one second of <laughs> no just at all. endless Never. endless writing and production one of the writers uh ed larson actually read a whole book about history it's like everything you oh, need yeah. to know about history because he knew he was gonna do the show yeah he, he knew we were gonna like write the show with him and he was like so excited he read the whole book <laughs> like probably in a couple weeks i guess and which is something this is that's some that's what lin-manuel did with hamilton yeah. he read a whole book about him because he wanted to write about it and everyone in the in the room was down to research history yeah. as much as they needed to, which is the craziest thing to me. They're doing schoolwork <laughs> for, for and a then make it funny and then make it funny. Yeah. That was, we, we did about eight weeks of pre-production and two weeks of shooting. And I would be lying if I said that at least three times throughout the process, I felt like I physically hit a wall because we were also, I didn't take it for granted that I was doing something I'd never done before. But we were in, especially towards the end, we were legit pulling 14-hour days. And some of the writers were staying even longer. There were times I would check out of the room and writers were still going to be going. But we were doing 14-hour days towards the end, 10 till midnight, 10 till 2 a.m. even. Five days a week, sometimes six days a week, towards the end, seven days a week. And then you had the shooting schedule. And there were times that physically and emotionally, I got very tired. Psychologically, there were some mornings I walked in and I was just like, I don't know anything about history and I don't know what's funny. I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 10 hours today. Like, <laughs> But you're right. Not even a single, no, not, 
any regret that you'd come across would be things like I didn't stop and take more photos. I didn't stop and appreciate more. I didn't. But even in that case, like it's this beautiful moment that exists as our very first opportunity to make a television show. And it happened to be ours that we nurtured from this idea in the back of a comic book shop and amazing. I, unbelievable. And this last month, I don't know. I don't think I said this to you specifically, but I said this on Taylor's podcast yesterday. I've enjoyed this month because when we were done taping, uh, we weren't in a lot of the editing, so we would get little bits and pieces here. We would talk to Jeff and OBB. We were still a lot of communication, but I wasn't really an executive producer anymore. Like I didn't have the job of executive producer like I did. Like I wasn't making a TV show every day like we were, and I missed it. And then this last month, we've had that again. We've been back in the... We're not shooting and writing it, but we're still... The, the TV show came alive again. We yeah, had events, we had about. places to yeah. go, we had things to do, we got to push it, we got to talk about it, it's coming out, now there's excitement, there's articles, you got to make sure you... And doing it all over again has been a, a, an incredible thrill, because and that's the job we all want when we came out here. We yeah. want to make TV, and we got to do it, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, also we're sitting on so many behind-the-scenes <laughs> pictures, so, so the, so the three the months first, felt longer. I know longer. the first four photos I want to share from, <laughs> from the ones They're where, in your where, where OBB is like, you can't, you can't post anything yet, don't yeah. post anything. Like, yeah. Even ones that I could post that don't expose it, like I'll, I'll say it because it's not going to change anything. But the one I really want to post is the one of you and me and Bob and John. And jo yeah, yeah, we have this great I photo of the too. two of us with Bob Saget and John Stamos, right? Yeah. Abe Lincoln and John, and John Wilkes Wilkes Booth, Booth, the the person that we roasted the very first time, and it it doesn't show the set, it doesn't show costumes, it doesn't show anything. But I just don't want to get in trouble with the production company by posting yeah. it. And it's like, I want to, yeah. I'm dying to show that. It gets a beautiful photo, too. <laughs> like, picture. full credit to Heidi who took it. Like, beautiful photo. Like, such a nice picture. Perfect lighting. <laughs> John looks great. Bob's awkward. Your eyes are open for once. My eyes are very wide open, and I, <laughs> and I, I stood so close to the lightest light, so it looks like three normal guys and then the whitest <laughs> albino you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah now this last week, uh, I know Jeff was on the Tonight Show, and they played a clip of the yeah. Abe Lincoln one. Mm -hmm. What was that feeling like to see your your show on the Tonight Show? Well, first of all, we saw it uh, at the premiere on the big screen. Yeah, which was which was like the night before, wasn't it, or two nights before? It was two a couple. Nights, yeah, two Monday. Nights. Yeah, he went on Wednesday night. We we had the premiere event Monday night. Monday night they played the trailer. And then the first two episodes of the season, Abraham Lincoln and Freddie Mercury. But it was also just cool seeing Jimmy Fallon say our show. He also yeah. said historical roast and historical roast. So I'm like, we could use one of these for our uh, live show. <laughs> <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> welcome to, and then we just play the, the, the audio of Jimmy Fallon, historical roast. <laughs> um, it was really surreal. So, uh, talk about what it was like to both see it on the big screen. And I want to hear your thoughts on Fallon talking about the show and seeing our show featured on the tonight show first of all he said it was a brilliant idea yeah which is crazy hearing jimmy fallon say i mean that's you know a nice thing to say but also just like that's great that it's recognized as a good idea uh that's always just uh a thrill hearing other comedians say that just like anytime it. any comedian appreciates both the idea and the execution of it it's yeah a thrill. yeah a yeah execution as well like how did you pull this off too that's another thing uh, but hear, hearing Fallon so excited, 
Maybe he was drunk. I don't know, but he still he was excited. <laughs> I hear he stopped drinking yeah. for that one episode. Yeah, I hear he quit recently. But yeah, he he seemed really into it. And if we do get season two, we'd love to have him play somebody. Oh, that would be awesome. Maybe he's playing King George for like a Hamilton roast or something, <laughs> or maybe he's playing George Washington. Who knows? We'd have to give Fallon a song. He'd love a song. Fallon would have to sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the trailer and the two episodes on the big screen was a very unique thrill because I also, in trying my best to appreciate every moment, recognize that there's very little chance that we'll see our television, especially season one, on a movie screen again. We'd have to really something ama- like. We'd have to set it up again specifically just to see it on a movie screen. You're not going to see TV on a movie screen. I knew in advance. I knew a long time in advance about The Tonight Show. I I grew up a Letterman guy, but I grew up a Tonight Show fan. I grew up a Carson person. Could not. I, I'm not a Jay Leno guy because I grew up on the East Coast, so we were always Letterman. But the franchise and the history that is The Tonight Show is unequivocally the the show. Mm-hmm. Even now, when you look around, I always look at it like this. The Tonight Show still gets the top guests of the night. The yeah. biggest star is on his show first, and whoever else is on that night, whether it's Colbert or Conan or anybody else, is taking the secondary guest of the night. They still get the biggest thing because it's still the Tonight Show. To know that that's where we were going to be featured was... I mean, I've gotten misty-eyed over this show and teared up and cried thousands of times. That was one of them because I was like, "We're gonna, our show is going to the Tonight Show, and in effect, we're gonna be there." And the moment that Jimmy Fallon said, "It's a great idea. It's a brilliant idea," like that was that was as close to him speaking directly to us as I would ever allow myself to imagine. And I didn't know they were gonna play a clip until I saw it. And when they were like, "We're playing a clip." I started to cry because, like, that's it. Like, our TV yeah. show just got on the TV show. I think that's a weird way to, right? But yeah. our TV show got on a TV show. That's yeah. like, it blew me away that Jimmy Fallon and The Tonight Show were featuring Jeff Ross and our show. And to watch Bob Saget, and they, I thought they pulled a great clip too. Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah. But you've also, in that vein, not only is it emotional from the four years pre- previous, the four and a half years prior, but in that moment, you know how many times I saw that set and that clip and we wrote those jokes, like how many times we'd gone over the script. Like this was something I knew back and forth. And there is a, I get a very comfortable feeling when I look at the show because I stood on that step, set for hours. We spent yeah, we were on that three wall. or four weeks in that building working on it. We were there before they built a set too. It was just like Oh yeah, empty, we went to a, I went to a completely empty, empty room at one point. Right. And so to see the set there, I was like, oh, I recognize that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I know that place. I've stood there. I I know all of this. And if you look at it, you can see us. I think you can see us in the corner in that clip, but I'm not sure. For me, for me, it was because I also right, love it. So in that weird way, Ryan and I making the cameo in the Abe Lincoln episode, I think we may actually we be put, seen in the corner of the screen of the Tonight Show as well. And we can well. put Tonight Show on our credits now, I think. <laughs> uh, for me, it was actually – I I – when I first came out here, and this for, for a while, when I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to end up interning at Conan one day. That's my goal. So I ended up doing that. That was the first thing I did out in there here in L.A. And after that, I was like, what now? And so someone was like, you should intern at Nerd Melt. And then through that, they, Nikki Glaser went on Conan, and she talked about our show. And I'm oh, like, that's awesome. another full circle thing for me. I'm like, that's so amazing that they got to talk about the thing I did after Conan on Conan. The first yeah. thing I ever did. And I interned and worked there for a little bit. 
and that was just like very mm. surreal and like you were saying i grew up on uh conan not letterman but s- still yeah. like that was a very uh very cool thing that i didn't think i'd ever experience and that will always hold a certain part in my heart as like wow anything's possible now yeah tim it is as it is as thrilling and meaningful as you would imagine it to be if you are somebody where this stuff matters to us mm-hmm. And I've said this to people, I truly, I swear to God, from the bottom of my heart, I, now that I've accomplished something that meant so much to me, I genuinely wish for every human being in the world to feel the kind of accomplishment and affirmation achieving that kind of a goal brings to you because of the the fulfillment that I have from it. So to come through, do you, how does it feel to get the show brought up on The Tonight Show? It feels without doubt exactly how inside you would have wanted it to feel and would have imagined in a very pleasing way where it's not like oh well it's what i expect it's like oh my god that that is as fucking cool and meaningful as i could imagine when you give up your life you give up your friends and your family and any sort of sense of security or stability and you're like i'm gonna go to hollywood and i'm gonna make something and then you get out here and you gotta live on a an air mattress in a one-bedroom apartment with seven other people, and there's bed bugs. And I took the bus to Meltdown. I lived on the corner for a while of Hollywood and Wilton. So my building was right over there, and I took the bus to and from every place. And I went to Sabor, uh, Sabor as an open mic. And to then come up with something and be able to cultivate it and grow it and make it something, and then it gets there, it is exactly what you came here for, and it feels just as good, if not better, in the end to climb that mountain get to the top of Everest turn around and the beautiful thing is that everyone's applauding you for making it because the response from the comedy community means more to me than actually getting the show the love and the support and the encouragement of people who have been with us since day one and people who I just met three weeks ago if they're in the comedy community they have lifted us up in ways that, I, and I said it every time someone genuinely and sincerely comes to me, is like, I am so happy for you guys, right? One of one of my very good friends, I won't tell you exactly who who they are, but they said, they said to me, you know, Eddie, I'm not usually happy for other people's success. I usually hate when other people get something. I am so happy for you, and I knew it was genuine, and that's when I was like, your happiness for us, your expression, that love from the community means more than getting the show. The show itself doesn't mean anything next to the beautiful response from this amazing community that we have out here and all of the comedians from Meltdown, from the Comedy Store, from the Improv, from UCB, from Improv, from Sketch, from Stand-Up, from Interning, from Writers. Like, It's Every- a beautiful thing, yep. and it's, it's amazing. And I wish that kind of achievement and accomplishment and satisfaction for everyone. That fulfillment's amazing. Every I'm proud of you or I'm happy for you is a thousand times better than you got Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. Netflix was a great feeling, but the I'm proud of you or I'm happy for you from people that we genuinely respect and love is a thousand times more than that as far as And feeling. it certainly means a lot because family and friends reach out. However, for me, while that's very important, especially when you talk about the silliness of like all the high school kids and look at me now kind of thing. <laughs> But the it, it's not the same as then coming in and making this community and making these spins mm-hmm. because these are also people who know the struggle. Everyone everyone we work with has pitched a TV show or shot a pilot or 
been trying to get their album released. You know what I mean? Like they understand the actual nuts and bolts of what we're doing. So it's not just a, oh, it's cool. You're making a show. That's so cool. This is a, man, we know how tough it is to get here. And you guys have been plugging away for four and a half years. You have rooms of costumes. You always bring us pizza. Like they know what it's like to chip away to get there. And that's fantastic. Well, I'll add another one on top of it that I genuinely am excited for you guys. When when it was announced, even though I had only had like brief encounters with both of you, mainly coming and going through Meltdown, Sammy was the only one I really kind of knew. It was still a moment of just extreme joy to see to see it picked up, just because I knew what you guys had, and seeing it finally coming out this week, like I, I can't wait to see everything Monday. It's it's going to be awesome. I, I'm very excited to see what happens Monday and where it goes from here. Thank We're you, literally about, thank you. We're like 24 hours from this. Yeah. We're 24 hours from this thing releasing. That's Again, you're not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, 20, 24 and a half hours on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, on the, the East, East Coast, Coast can right. watch it in 24 the, yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, he runs on East Coast time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, it, means, it means a lot. I've, it's all about the community. I've I always think when one of us when one of us wins, we all win, and it's nothing without everyone. It has taken at this point we're over a thousand people. If you were to say how many people has it taken to get this show to Netflix, to get to this point where we're twenty four hours from the release, it's over a thousand people. We've had something like three hundred different comedians on the live show. On the show itself, there were at least two hundred people on staff. There's countless. There's people that we haven't even directly come in contact with that are that we could not have done this without. This is not a solo effort. This isn't three people who chipped away. This is a community of people who pitched in to say, we like your thing. We're going to help make your thing. We're going to come out. We're going to do it every time. We're going to have fun. We'll enjoy it. And, you know, and, and then more people who are like, let's keep building it. Let's make it bigger. Let's see how far we can take this thing. Again, the research is the craziest part. These <laughs> comedians will do this research for may- at least an hour and come up with funny stuff about these dead people. Yeah. Hey, hey, will you will you do a book report? Make sure it's funny, and then you're gonna have to do a presentation in front of the class. Thanks, man. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. This is from a, a guy who dresses like a teacher too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think of myself as a substitute teacher. Right, the TA. <laughs> the TA. Yeah. I'll be the TA. You're the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the TA. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to come, especially with. Everything you guys have had going for the last month, I was I was glad we could squeeze it in before the premiere, and I'm jumping at a few, ahead of a few other episodes so that we can actually release it tomorrow. Thank so you, as people listen to this, it'll it'll be less than 24 hours. It'll probably be like oh, oh great, it'll probably right. be like yeah. seven hours. Oh, excellent! Before they can go on, and stay up and binge. This is what add I'm gonna to your Stay up and binge watch it. But more importantly, and I'm being genuine. This is a, this is not a a bit when. When you leave the house every morning, just hit play on it and let it play through again every single day. Just <laughs> just yeah. repeat views. Just keep it going. You know, your once, cat, twice. Your cats and dogs will love it. Just leave it running on repeat so we can get the views up. We get you know five more seasons out of this. Thank you. Yeah, like it and then unlike <laughs> it and then like it again. You know, watch it over and over. You know, just the usual. Anyway, so you you joke about the cats watching it, but I can guarantee you she has watched enough shows and kept them on Netflix. Oh. Because for the longest time, when we would leave, <laughs> she would get depressed, and she, and so I would turn on the TV for something that she would like. I think she's kept Riverdale on the air. <laughs> wow! Do you want to know what one of my real goals is with this show? I've never, I have not said this one to you out loud yet. I, <laughs> I want our show to be something that people put on in the background when they're having sex. 
That will be, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're like, I'm going to put something on, then we're going to be really hooking up and having sex. I want that. I want our show to be the thing in the background. You know, Eddie's going to do it. Eddie's going to be the first one. <laughs> I don't think. Hold, my hold on, honey. Hold no, on. I think that's where my girlfriend would be like, no, this is a narcissistic behavior that I cannot encourage. You would Thank stop you. during the Lincoln one to be like, that's me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, guys. Where can people Thanks, find you on uh, on social media to kind of keep up with everything? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all have historical roast and fictional roast. Uh, you can find me at Ryan Pig with two Gs everywhere but Instagram, one G. Yep, definitely <laughs> follow us. Uh, Instagram, most importantly, find us on Facebook and Twitter as well at historical roast at fictional roast. Uh, find me on Instagram at I am Eddie Firth uh, on Twitter at Eddie Firth. Um, we have a, a show Wednesday, May 29th at 10:30 p.m. At, in the Belly Room at the Comedy Store. We're roasting Mother Teresa. Come out! I mean, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be the celebration. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be the party, Happy especially party. at the Comedy Store because that's our home now, and that's like our and it's a historical roast. So come out and have a great time with us. You never know who might show up because I don't know who might show up. <laughs> and then Sunday, June 2nd. Still, it's a week from when you're hearing this right now. Yep. As long as you've watched the entire series at least twice through, uh, Sunday, June 2nd, come out to Dynasty Typewriter at 7 p.m. We're roasting Pixar with Buzz, Woody, Mike, and Sully, everybody that you want to see right before that show, uh, right before Toy Story is going to be coming out in theaters again this summer. But uh, And when you go to those shows, make sure you turn on our Netflix show while you're gone. When you leave. When yeah. you leave to come to the show, please yeah. just put it on play. Let it run through an extra cycle. Like, why not get the views up, guys? That's all I'm saying. You you, you know? If you're not using your phone, turn it on your phone. Leave but, your phone up <laughs> a little bit. But follow us. We have a very exciting summer of shows coming up. Obviously, with the, with the release of the Netflix show, we've got dates booked already. Uh, uh, even some some exciting stuff that's going to come up in October at, at a convention and 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 follow us. We're going to have a really fun time, and I'd, I'd love to see you guys there. Excellent. Well, again, thank you guys. Congratulations on the show, and uh, best of luck. Thank you, thank you man. Thanks no for problem. having us. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, you bet. We'll see you.